Good evening, world. To God be the glory and everything. Well, just a handful of us. Um, Shelly, can you grab my phone, please? I want to do something a, a little bit different here at this startup. Uh, I, I don't like to pause so much, but um, to God be the glory. I was, uh, I want to do something different because we have some of our family that's not here. And therefore, uh, I'm hoping that on our new phone, my new phone, I'll be able to get, um, I don't, it's not doing it for me. I guess I'm dumb as a rock, so people just have to bear with me here. I'm so glad Paul and all of them didn't have to deal with technology and uh, sidebar talking in the background. Okay, here we go. Let's see here. Brother Amelia and Sister Vicki. Let's see if we can get them on the phone and see where they are in this hour in their journey to Michigan. So we didn't get Miss, did not get them. All right, let's see if I can get a hold of Miss Marie. Okay, I guess I won't be reaching Miss Marie, everybody. She's actually in the air flying back from Boston. All right, everybody around the world, Jesus Christ is Lord. I want to say something to everybody here. It's not a reprimand or anything like that. It's a love question. I want to, want to ask you, this morning, for some reason or another, I didn't wake up at my usual 5.30 time to go before the Lord. I don't know what happened. I guess, I think I got up too much during the night going to the bathroom. And I, and, and I, didn't, get my, I didn't get the chance to really spend time with God this morning. And even though I talked to him on the way to Gainesville at my 8 o'clock appointment at the VA, um, I still missed him. I still miss him. And I was thinking that today is, I really miss being with the Lord this morning. Did any of y'all have that today? Did you miss God today? The response I, I'm getting is actually heartbreaking. Did you miss being with Jesus this morning in that loving relationship with him because your life got too busy? How did that make you feel? Okay. Shelly? You know, I usually talk to God a lot when I'm at work cleaning. Because first thing in the morning I, I get up and then get the kids up. I don't I don't set aside time out. But when I clean I do and, and until you just said that it didn't hit me that I missed it. But now I feel that. Okay. Because I didn't go clean this morning. All right. So your time 
You spend time in fellowship with God while you're cleaning. At work. I mean, that's like that's like my normal times. On some days, I I read my Bible before I go to sleep. You know, but I can't say it's consistently every night. Okay. It should be. Sometimes I just pass out. What about you, Blake? You're you're a young man. You're the next oldest boy in here to me. What about you? Do you do you miss Jesus? Like I don't usually like do like about every day. Like talking about it, I think I probably should because I know I definitely have time to do it. Mm -hmm. I haven't really thought. Okay. What about you, Brandy? Do you miss the Lord today? Did did you miss? His presence with you. Or at least we know His presence is with us. But did we? Did we long for Him? Did you long for the Lord today? I'm going to ask this busy mama on she on her other trip back. Who I love so dearly. Did you long for Jesus today? Did you get a chance to just wrap up in him today? Not wrap up in him, but soak in his presence a bit. As I got a chance to take Miss Tamara around Camp Kalakwa to for her to potentially have a job there. Uh, I was just ex expressing to her about different places on camp that are my favorite places where I love to go and just soak in his presence because at times they'll give us if, if there's time allowed uh, or a lot technically you can get 30 minutes in devotion paid on the clock and I okay. showed her the places that I would go and so through that process I was soaking him in all right just in his presence there but not time in his actual word what about you Emily What about you? Did you long for Jesus today? I know I need to get back in it because I've just been so caught up with school and everything. And there's been so many opportunities to share the word with people when they talk about religion. And I always feel guilty afterwards that I didn't say anything. Do y'all see this going somewhere right now? What's happening here with us? We're neglectful of God. Yes. Should we have to prioritize him? Nope, no. I, as your pastor, I am ashamed of myself and I'm ashamed of you. Because what God has done for us. There's nothing on this earth worth putting before him. And I'm saying this out of a broken heart to you because I love and care for you. And I know he loves and cares for you much more than I ever can. And and it was almost like Shelly, I'm just being a broken, I, I'm being a glass house to y'all right now. It was almost like today I wanted to break down and cry. 
because I felt my life, I've gotten too busy that I don't stop and give God the glory and wrap up in Jesus as Christy was saying. And when I read the word of God, I don't want any distractions. And I don't want anybody rushing me. I want to be able to lay there or sit there and spend time without noticing time. <coughs> Does that make any sense to you all? Yes, sir. And, and, and I want to know, I want him to know that I value his presence with me as much as he values my presence with him. And I want my presence to be with him as much as I want his presence to be with me. And what all of us said today before God, he said, Lord, we just got too busy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Jesus gave us a very stern warning about that. So I don't care if I don't teach from Galatians 3 tonight. But I do want to teach on this. Because it's hurting. It's hurting us. It's hurting me as your pastor. And I can imagine what it's doing to our God. Our Father in heaven and to our Lord Jesus Christ. When his very own children don't take time for him. And so, Lord Jesus gave a teaching on the parable of the souls. And one of those was that the seed of the sower, which was Jesus, went out sowing the word. The seed was the word of God. And we know that this that seed fell, number one, it fell on the wayside. Does anyone know what the wayside is? Mm, it's different. The wayside was that pathway that, that they walked as they sowed the seed. Oh, they go and they tend to the crop. They always, like a farmer, has the road down the middle of the field and that, that where the tractor tires go. That would be considered like the wayside, okay. that pathway. Because the soil is compact, because everything does what pushes it down, that seed didn't take any, any depth, any root. It, uh, it couldn't at all. It didn't, couldn't even penetrate because it just laid on top, and the birds came and did what? Ate it, Ate it up. They say some people like that. That's life. Some people hear the word. And it never sinks in. And the evil one comes and plucks it. But that's not what I want to focus on at the moment. The other one was the word landing on rocky ground. I was a farmer before I went into the army. I worked on a huge farm called West Farm with Nick and Charles West. I loved them to death. And there were places where I had to diss the ground that once I got to that part of the field, I knew I had to let that disc up. If not, the rocks would tear that disc up. And 
That was the rocky ground. So we didn't plant anything there. Because it had, even though some spots of it had dirt on it, it was mostly rocks. So no seed was going to get deep enough to, 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 to be covered, to get nutrients, to grow and have roots and to produce a crop. You can go. No, I was checking on that screen. Right, so it, I just need to adjust it. But that's not what I want to focus on. The one I want to focus on is the one that follows next. It's the one that where the seed fell and it fell in that area among thorns. And it grew up. But the thorns were stronger than the, than, than the wheat. And it choked the wheat out. Because the wheat couldn't get the nurture. The nourishment because the, the roots of the thorn was stronger. It was taking away the nutrients and it was overpowering the wheat. Okay? So it got choked out. Jesus describes this as the cares of this world. When we get so busy and so caught up, the adversary will send things if we're not careful that'll keep our minds busy and our bodies. And next thing we know, we're missing Bible study, we're missing church, we're missing the one-on-one -on -one time that God has laid aside for us, and we're no longer walking, as Paul said, walking with the Spirit. And so, and we're not reflecting on Jesus throughout the day because we're trying to figure out what's next on our what? On our schedules. Or what the next appointment is. Where I got to have the kids or where I got to go and do this. And by the time we lay down at night, we're so what? Exhausted, so tired that we try to pray that we fall asleep praying or try to read the word. We fall asleep reading the word of God. I will wake up so early in the morning and we still hadn't had a proper night's sleep. Guess what happened when you fall on your knees to pray? I know it happened with me. Guess what happened? And I'm young and say, oh Lord, I'm so, the next thing, I, sometime I couldn't even get the word sorry out. I'm what? I'm asleep. And I wake up, it's time to get dressed and get the kids up and get going. And so what have I just done? I allowed the cares of this world to start choking out what? The word of God in me. Start choking out those valuable moments that the Lord has given us. And after a while, and I know my, my daughter could tell you, and I used to tell them, especially when we lived in South Carolina, I said, when I start getting short with them, I know exactly what has been going on. You know what has been going on? That I've been neglecting my walk with the Lord. And I will pull away from them and say, look, I just got to spend time alone with God. And you all have got to leave me alone. And we were blessed in those days, everybody, to have a house that was three levels. And we had two computer rooms. One of them I used, and I told them, uh-uh, don't you go in there. Or if my wife wasn't home, I would go upstairs. Our bedroom was on the third level. I would go up to our third level where our bedroom was, close the door, and there was. We had, two, we had a formal living room, and we had a den. We had a huge den with a fireplace where the kids watched television and played whatever they wanted to. And then we had a formal living room up on the second level. I would either go in there. Guess what? They did not come in there bothering me. Did y'all Melissa? Whatever they would see me reading the Bible, sitting there reading, they would turn around and walk right out. They were not rude. 
I like this batch of kids we got now. I don't know what happened with this group, but <laughs> anyway, I knew when I started getting short with people, it was a reflection of what was going on in here. Not just the physical man, but my spirit man was saying, I'm weak now. And you need to do something about this. God, by Christ Jesus, has given you all the nutrients you need to be strong in me. And so I will go and find a place. And at CIU, right before I graduated, one of the professors, and in, in, in your guy may know him now, Dr. Rick Higgins, he's still there. And the school president is Dr. Bill Jones, who also was one of my professors. But anyway, Dr. Rick Higgins, one semester, made all his students plan an all-day prayer time with God. It had to be at least eight hours. And we had to write down the date and place and the time it started and the time it ended. And then we had to write about our experiences on it. So fortunate for me, we live not far from one of the state parks called Cessford Centennial. Centennial State Park. It was huge. And you and it had trails go deep into the forest. It was a nice lake out there. And so I parked in front of the lake, hit one of the walking trails, and went deep into the forest. But hardly nobody's at. And they had tables along the way. And some people had actually carved scriptures in the tables. And this one table that I sat to had John 524 about passing from life, I mean death to life. And I remember, Blake, walking back and forth, setting and praying. And I will do that throughout that entire path. I, had, I think I had one or two people pass me. And so I say, I, I, I'm praying. And they, they just, oh, I'm sorry. And just very, and tiptoe out of the area. As if they didn't want to disturb me. Walking on ground, I could hear them walking. No, I couldn't hear them walking on the ground. But they were very nice about it. But when I finally allowed the Holy Spirit to settle my mind, mm -hmm. and I started praying and reading the Word of God and meditating upon the Lord, one walk, couple came by and I said, what time is it? They said, 3.45. I said, 3.45? I had been there since 8 o'clock, and it was 3.45. Time had one. And so I said, oh, I got about 20 minutes left. That 20 minutes took forever because now I was conscious of what? Time. Of the time. So now the cares of the world was back up, what? Upon me because now I'm thinking about, oh, you know, I got to do this, got that, right? But as long as I was lost in the spirit, before the Lord, time did not matter. And so that's where we need to be with Lord Jesus. We need to, and Shelly, he knows that you got six kids at home and have to also uh, watch over two nieces. God knows that. God knows the number of kids we have at home and grandchildren, as well as with youth, mom. 
Mom, God knows. But guess what? And he knows. How old are you now? 14? God also knows the heart of a 14-year-old. And he knows the heart of a 16-year-old. Okay? As well as a... How old are you, scholar? 13? 12? 12 and 11. He knows our hearts. Okay? But what are we going to give him from this heart? What are we going to give Lord Jesus from this heart? What is his relationship with us worth to us? It's not, it's not a beating. I'm not, not, I'm not trying to do that. I don't want to do that. I won't do that. I just want to sh sh share with you that it affects me when I don't get up and love my father and my Lord first thing in the morning. Because usually the first thing I say as soon as my feet hit the ground or as soon as I sit up on the bed, I say, good morning, Father. Good morning, Lord Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. And then I go from there to the next room. And sometime I pull out my Bible and read. Most of it's my tablet because it lights up and I don't turn on any lights. Or I drop down on my knees and begin to pray right away. Whatever way the Spirit is leading me. That's the way I do it. And so I miss that today. I don't know why I woke up late this morning. I know I went to the bathroom several times last night. That could have did a lot, interrupting my sleep pattern. And uh, I don't want you all to get in this kind of habit. Because what the Holy Spirit gives us is priceless. And He takes us yeah, you can speak or say something. Yeah, just in this season that I've been in and realizing over and over again that I can't get through this on my own strength. Um, I'm in communion with him, even though I'm not as solidly in the word as I would like to be. I'm in communion with him on and off throughout the entire day. And I have one particular professor who's just really difficult to get along with. And you convicted me in Bible, the Holy Spirit convicted me through your Bible study last week that talked about if you have hatred in your heart for someone. And I was like, oh, because I've been thinking on my way here. It's like, I really just need to pray for her. One thinking about me until you mentioned that in Bible study. And the Holy Spirit convicted me through that of not only praying for her, but praying for how I respond to her in the hatred in my heart that mm -hmm. I have already in these few weeks for her. And, um, Today, uh, I saw a difference. I saw some of the prayers answered today in working with her. And there was times when she sat right up next to me. And one other girl, just me and another student, she sat up right up next to us. And knowing that she's going to be critiquing and criticizing because that's her nature. Not only as a professor, but it's her nature to really criticize in a very condescending manner. Mm-hmm. And one of the lady, one of the students, she heard what the teacher was saying to me. And she, as soon as the teacher's back was a bit, she's like, uh, 
it's okay. And I just thought, you know what? I already, I already saw a difference that the Lord answered in that prayer right there because already I didn't get hurt and, uh, or angry or any of the normal ways I would have responded to that teacher's critiques. And that is the love of Christ. I think it's in Malachi chapter, I mean, Michael 7, chapter 7, verse 5. Oh man, what does your God require of you? And I think we miss this important element of what God is saying through that prophet. And Lord Jesus is the one that laid this out because he is the word of God. He says to what? To do justice. Do what's right. And to love mercy. You got to be, you and I, we have to be compassionate with people, regardless who they are to us, how they treat us. Jesus came, he said, I say to you, he said, been said of old to hate your enemies. He said, but I say to you to what? Love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. And so, as we see that, and then, he said, not only to do justice, to love mercy, but to walk humbly with your God. <laughs> How can we walk humbly with him if we don't love him intimately? It's, it's impossible to wrap Jesus up in, in your arms and say, Lord, I love you, if you don't get there. If you don't press towards that. I look at Israel of old. And they're our model. And I look at one man in particular. The man Moses. Mm -hmm. The Bible says that Moses was the most humble man on earth. He was a prince of Egypt. And yet he was the most humble man on earth. Yeah. And then... How did Abraham get to be the friend of God? Because he spent time with him. And when times got tough for him, Blake, when it seemed like the sure promises of God was not going to come true for him, you know what God told him? Abraham, <coughs> count those stars. Because God had promised him a child. And the years had passed. No baby from Sarah. So God said, Abram, count those stars. We all know that's an impossible task. But God said something after that that really opened this old man's eyes. He said, count the stars. He says, so shall your descendants be. What does that mean, Blake? That means without number. Now, that's a huge promise, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Is it happening? Yeah, still. It is still happening. Mm -hmm. So from that time to this time now, almost 4,000 years have passed. Can you imagine how many are on the descendant list of Abraham? 
<laughs> it got to be in the billions now. And not only from direct descendants from his loins, the Apostle Paul said those who are of faith are also Abraham's children because he's considered the father of faith. He believed God. And so when we look at that, that's a lot of people go, now we're talking about every person from every nation that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are now Abraham's children. And remember when God told him, he said, I will make you father of many nations. Here it is. So did God fulfill his promise to Abraham? And who was one of those sons of Abraham? Let's see how fast y'all are. Come on, spit it out. Who's one of those sons of Abraham? Isaac. Yes and yes. <laughs> Who's the most famous son? Jesus. That's right. Because remember, it, when you look in Matthew chapter 1, it talks about from Abraham to Jesus, it's how many generations? 42 generations. 42 generations. Maybe I'm wrong. Look it up. Genesis, I mean, Matthew 1. Is it 42 generation procession? Or is it three times 42? What is it? So, today's Bible study has took a different turn. And we didn't even pray. But yet, the Lord Jesus Christ is with us because we're gathered in his name. Amen. And he said, we're two or more gathered in my name. There I will be in the midst. Because after all, he and Father are the central figure here that we're discussing. These young boys, these young men that are in this room. Son, if you was Hebrew, you would have celebrated your manhood and it was called Bar Mitzvah, Mr. Scholar. Next year, you would be celebrating yours. You would have already celebrated yours, coming to a man. Huh? 42 generations. Total? Fourteen to fourteen. Fourteen to fourteen. That many generations that go from Abraham to Jesus. Forty-two generations. God didn't skip a beat. You're not cold, are you, son? You'll be all right. So what do we do? What do we do about this? What do we do? We. We discipline ourselves. The word disciple and the word discipline comes from the same root word. It requires us to make a sacrifice. That means we got to press on. (coughs) 
And if it means you pulling your vehicle over off the road and you know you got 30 or 40 minutes before you get to your next destination, pull that car off the road somewhere and kneel down and pray. And I tell you who makes evidently shameful, shameful illustrations of Christians, of Muslims. Because I saw in Saudi Arabia that when it time to come, I mean, when it came to, for, for prayer time, they pulled them cars and them trucks off the highway and pulled out their prayer mats and faced Mecca. And they prayed. The shop owners closed their shops. Fishermen stopped fishing. And they, the whole nation, turns to Mecca and prays to Allah. Cool. So now, what can we learn from this today? What can we learn? Because Jesus Christ is more valuable than gold to us. It's priceless. What do we do about this? I tell you, you do what the Spirit of God in you tells you to do. Because I can't put you on the regiment that I'm on. You know when those moments are right for you to come before God. You, only you know that. And when that moment is right, don't you neglect it. Let me encourage you to do everything you can to follow the Spirit at that moment. Because then you will truly know what it means to walk in the Spirit. I've seen where high school kids go off to the side, sit on a, a bleacher or something, away from everybody, and bow their heads and may have their cell phone or their little Bible or their little daily bread or some kind of devotion right there in school. And they would get away from the rest of the students. And for a few moments, they spend that time with the Lord. Because they know, one of the things that we learn in sociology, thing called pushes and pulls. Have you heard that term in college? Pushes and pull? Pushes are those things, eternal things, internal things in you that pull at your heart and makes you do this and that. And they can come from your values, your family upbringings, okay, your beliefs. And then the pulls, are, what do you think those are? Those are the external things, things in society. Family members, work, whatever my case, things on the outside that pull at you. So you got things internally, the pushes that get you, and you got the things external, the pulls. So you're always being pushed and pulled. But who decides who's going to control that? Yeah. 
You will decide when enough is enough, is enough. When you come and you're missing the Lord greatly, you will decide tonight I'm taking my butt to bed at 8 or 9 o'clock because I want to get up early enough to go before the Lord. I want to be good and rested. You will discipline yourself to do that. It may not be like that, but you'll find a way. And with everything in your heart, you'll start protecting that. And at 14, you'll begin to learn to do that. Whether it's getting up 5 o'clock in the morning or simply in the afternoon when you get home and get your shower, walking away somewhere for a little bit in the corner of your house, I don't know. Go up in the attic or something, I don't know. I can't tell you where, what's good for you, what fits for you. But you will find those moments and Lord Jesus, here I am. And it doesn't have to be for the length of time that we talk about. Because with God, he will set that time with you. You know, I've been seeing on uh, uh, Facebook and any, you know, the news sort of stuff that um, more and more actors are starting to be more vocal about their, their Christianity and their habits with God. And uh, Mark Wahlberg's one that I just read on, and he is a, a devout Christian. Mm -hmm. And he spends at least, he says he, he has to spend 30 minutes in prayer every single day. He has to. Or he doesn't feel like he's a good father or a role model or anything. You know, he has to spend at least 30 minutes a day. That's his personal. I concur. I have to go before God daily. And if I don't, I feel neglectful as a son to him. Not just me being an earthly father and your pastor. I feel like I have neglected my father in heaven. Like today, I, it was just like I was, Jesus, where are you? What have I done? Because you know what happens when, when I'm like that? When I go before the Lord? I can't explain to you what happens every day with me in that. But I can tell you this, I have a sense of his, knowing that his presence is with me. I do. And my day, and I'm not saying that my day goes much easier, but I tell you what's been happening with me lately. The Bible verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, has been vocal in my heart every day. What does that say? There is no temptation that is such as common to man. And I'm not talking about looking with the ability to see the temptation that's like a woman wearing with short shorts on and I'm a guy. No. Temptation could be that, oh, I'm too tired. I guess I'll just sit here. I'll read my Bible later. Okay. Temptation could be in many forms to, to skip Bible study tonight or some you know what I'm talking about. But then, you know what the next phrase that Paul writes in it? He said, but God is faithful. God is faithful. And that's the part, 
And not what even falls under that by him giving you the strength to make it through the temptation. But the fact that he put that phrase in there that God is faithful. You can count on him no matter what day it is, no matter what the weather is, no matter what circumstance it is. God is always going to be faithful and you can take it to the bank. You can count on Jesus being there. And he promised not to forsake us nor leave us. He's the same yesterday, today, and for what? Forever. That means Emily can always depend on God, her father. Always depend on her Lord Jesus Christ. Always depend on the Holy Spirit. Why? Because God is faithful. Moses said it in Psalms 90. Moses said, God, you have been our dwelling place throughout all the generations. Did you know that's just another form of saying God is faithful. And if we truly believe that, and Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. And that puts us in a relationship that cannot be broken. Why? That's one thing you can count on is God being faithful. And that's why we see in the book of Hosea, and young folks in here, you need to learn this right now. The book of Hosea is all about Israel not being faithful to God. That's what the whole book is about. God calling them to be faithful again. That's what he's calling. And so, someone said, If God is not your God, then something else will be. And if you're not faithful to God, you'll be faithful to something else. And I find myself sometimes doing that too much. And now I come up with another hobby. And my daughter tell you, and my granddaughters love, especially Maria, loves playing it with me. Bubbles. <laughs> bubbles. Uh-huh. I get on my tablet and I stay on bubbles for hours. Uh-huh. Till my eyes are so tired that I can't even see. I even have it on my phone. Which is like playing the casino on your phone or like, you know. It's almost, a, yeah. it's addicting. Uh-huh. And then I find myself going... I didn't spend this much time in Bible study. I'm thinking I gotta quit this. I gotta quit. And then I'm going one more game. Yeah, one more. It's always one more. And if I can get to that level that's really challenging to go, I'm not getting off till I beat this level. And the Spirit speaks to my heart: was you didn't spend that much time in prayer this morning, or you need to put this down and go and get in the Word of God. Just one more. Just one more, Holy Ghost. So everybody, what is Jesus worth to you? One more game. <coughs> Lord, just one more, whatever. The time is coming that we're not going to get one more. 
Jesus says, why did you put the phone down? Mm -hmm. When I was a hospital chaplain, I went in and visited this one patient the very first time named Robin. Robin was a fairly new Christian, her and her husband. And they also owned a lawn business. And they was excited about being Christians. And I talked to her, and it was just one of those patients that didn't really make you feel damp and jury. I end up, they try to tell us, don't spend no more, if you can, than half an hour with the, with the patient. I spent two hours with her, probably over two hours. She was just a chore to talk to, and I was excited talking to this new Christian. And she kept saying they couldn't wait to get back to the church. She said, me and my husband get back. We love working for our church. And I love people having that zeal for God's house and God's people. But one thing she kept saying over and over and over again, she said, chaplain, and I don't know if you remember, I was at Baptist Hospital, Melissa. I don't know if you remember when I was there during that time. And she kept saying, chaplain, I can't wait to see Jesus. And Emily, she said to said that to me over and over again. And she would do it to be discharged, I think she said the next day. She was doing well. She was in there because of acid reflux. And I know all about that because I've had bad bouts that almost made me unconscious. Yeah. And um, she was in there and she just kept saying, and in my ear, you know how you, you go? And she kept saying that as we were talking. Oh, I can't wait to see Jesus. So I left her and said, okay, Robin, have a good evening. Nice meeting you. And I said, I'll try to, I'll try to get back up here to see you before you're discharged. She said, okay. And she told me what church that her and her husband went to. And, and I know very little about the church, but I think I had heard about it. But anyway, um, I come in the next morning and normally the chaplains, we have our meeting first and we talk about, especially the chaplain that was on call the night before, talk about in case he had any difficulties or any deaths that night, or if we had any special cases, because sometimes chaplains get assigned to special cases the, the next morning uh, in your area, or sometimes you may have to cover someone else's area. It was a very huge hospital, very big. <laughs> anyway, I come in, and the night chaplain told me, he says, Sammy, don't you have a, a, a patient by the name of Robin? I go, yes. He said, Robin is in ICU, unresponsive. I go, what? He said, you may want to go see her right away and put a first on your list. So, okay. So we did our meeting thing and I went and got my worksheet for the day and I beat feet straight to ICU. And by the time I got there, the cardiologist was there, the neurologist, and a couple of other doctors were there. And I walked up and I heard the cardiologist, and he and I had become good friends. And he looked at me, he said, Chaplain, we don't know what happened. This is what we call the gap theory. This is something we can't explain the patient. She had no heart problem, no issues with her heart. Um, everything was going well. She was going to be discharged. And the neurologist said, we don't know. We can't explain it. <coughs> this patient is in a coma 
and she's not going to come out of it. And just us standing there, staff, she's, she's gone. And so the neurologist said, uh, Chaplain, will you accompany me to talk with her husband? Yes, I would love to. And I went into the room that they had prepared for him. And uh, he said, Chaplain, I was told you were the last one to talk to her. I said, what was her last words? I said, she was excited about you and her going back to church. And she kept saying to me she wanted to see Jesus. And I knew, then it hit me. Jesus had answered her prayers. He came and got her. The neurologist, he said, I can't come out and tell you that your wife is dead. He said, I can only tell you from medical terms that we've never seen a patient come back from a coma like this. She had very little to no brain waves. So the fancy way he was saying, your wife is brain dead. She's gone. <laughs> and only the machine keeping her breathing. So they asked, so what, what would you like to do? And the husband turned to me and said, Chaplain, what would you do? I said, I'm sorry. You have to answer that question. I said, I'm not ready to let her go. And they said, okay. Poor fellow, being such a young man of God, went on a drinking binge, couldn't find him for three days. And maybe that's part of the church fault, I don't know, that they didn't come wrap their arms around him. And maybe he ran away from him. But that one, that young Christian woman got what she wanted. She kept saying, I can't wait to see Jesus. And he brought her home. That was tough for me, Emily. That one bothered me for a long time. That's hard on a chaplain. Hard, even hard on the family. Very difficult. And it was in the news, I'll tell you this last thing, and then we'll close out in prayer. It was in the news not long ago in New Orleans. The pastor was preaching. A very popular church in New Orleans. And he made the statement, Jesus, take me, he said, Lord, take me now. Preach, drink a sip of water. Right at the pulpit. Drop dead. Oh. God took him. Just that fast. I gave you some pretty sad stories, didn't I? And they don't have to end this way. They can end in ways like with Moses, who stayed in the presence of God. They can end like Lord Jesus. 
that he went, he left his disciples and he found a hill. And he went up on the mountain, it said, and he did what? And he prayed. He got away from the multitude and he went, and it said, and he left the multitude and went and prayed. So if the Lord knew to get away from the crowds and find a place to be alone with his father. And I often, huh? And it even says in the scriptures, I, it says very early in the morning. Yes, he got up. He got up. And went because he knew that once people started waking up and they, and they remember who what he did for people, they were going to be what? Looking for him. Not that they wanted him, but they wanted what he can do what for them. Okay? And whatever that was. And uh, I, I just want you to love the Lord Jesus. I really do, Emily. And Blake. And Skylar. All of us. I just want us to love him because my mindset, I've been expecting to go somewhere in prayer and watch God open up the heavens and I see him sitting on the throne high and lifted up. And I can just visualize being like Moses walking up on the mountain into the presence of God. Or like the apostles sitting at Jesus' feet. And that's all I want for you and for me. For us to spend time at Jesus' feet. Will you do that for yourself? Will you start making time for the Lord? He knows that there's a lot of stuff to be done in this world. Either we can do it with him, or we can go about doing life without him. And then is that truly life without him? The answer is no. still recording so Chrissy if you had something to say to someone around the world right now about coming to Jesus what would you say to that person how would you describe Jesus to that person to make them want Jesus the way that you do <clears throat> He's faithful and true to the promises of God, his Father. And he's unlike any, being in a relationship with him is unlike any other relationship uh, that you can have on earth. And one of those ways is that his, his love and his faithfulness is unfailing. 
none of us can love perfectly the way God the Father is and the way Jesus loves and um, he meets those needs. He created that need in your heart. Uh, if there's any type of, of loneliness or void that you feel in your heart, you can't fill it with anything other than Jesus and other, with, other than God. He says God is love and he created that void and that is that missing piece if you don't have that. Okay. It's a little different this evening. You probably figured you were next, didn't you, Shelley? Shelly? There's a young lady out there in the world who you was once like. What would you say to that person right now about Jesus? Pay attention. You feel him. You know he's there. You don't know what to call him. But it's Jesus. It's God. And he's not going nowhere. He's going to be there for you. And uh, just open your eyes. Let the feeling wash over you and and call him Jesus. He's not going nowhere. Always there. Melissa, what would you say? Um, you may think that um, you're not good enough for him, but trust me, you are. He's always going to love you no matter what you do. And you can always talk to him because he is our father. About anything, you can come to him no matter how happy you are or even how bad you're feeling or confused, he, Jesus will always have the answer for you. Trust him. Trust him, absolutely. Okay. Emily, you're the youngest woman in here. You're how old? 16. 16. There are a lot of 16-year-old young ladies in the world, just like you. They don't know the Jesus you know and never heard of him. What would you say to them about him to, to convince them to love him? He's always there, no matter what. Even in this generation, all you want to do is fit in, and you may do things that would not honor God, but through all of it, you, all you have to do is go to Him, 
and ask for forgiveness and he'll love you and he'll forgive you and he'll be there no matter what and you can trust him with anything and he will keep you accountable. So is trust important to young people? Yes. Okay. Blake. I know you didn't think I was going to forget you, right? <laughs> this is unscripted. <laughs> A young athlete coming up. You got the bronze. You got the looks. You're everything that somebody else probably wants to be right now. But you have something that a lot of 14 year olds don't have, especially teenage boys who are going into manhood. What is that one thing that you have that is so precious to you right now? It's probably knowing that God is our Savior and He loves us. Okay. How would you say that to another young man your age that's out there right now? Well, he'll love you no matter what, no matter what you do, if you ask for forgiveness. And he died on the cross for his sins. So if you end up sinning and ask forgiveness, <coughs> he'll love you no matter what. And to be all, he'll always be there no matter what you need and when you need him. Okay. Blake, for guys, it's very hard for a guy to tell another guy that he loves him. And maybe not for you, but your father, because you received that from your father. What would you say to another 14 year old? about love, about loving Jesus. What would, what would you tell them? I'd say like, problems. Is it hard for a 14 year old to tell a man that he loves him? No, kind of. Like. Kinda? Kinda? Okay. What about to your best friend? Would it be hard for you to tell your best friend that you love him? Like, it would be hard to tell, like, a stranger that you love him. You can, like, tell them that God loves them. Your best friend, if you know them, if you've known them for a long time, it'd be a little easier. But what would you say to a perfect stranger who doesn't know the man Jesus, who's, by the way, the son of God? How would you tell that person to love Jesus? Tell them that he loves you and... He'll forgive you no matter what you do. Okay. All right. We're going to go a little younger now. 
And let's see how the Lord is working this out, even in the heart of 11-year-old. Aiden, who are called curly pop. Some people would say, Aiden, you're too young to understand love. And some people would say that you're probably too young to understand Jesus. What would you say about that? No. Why would you say no? You're not too young. Because nobody's too young to know about Jesus. Okay. Explain that a little more. What do you mean by that? Do you feel love for Jesus? Yes. What kind of love is that to you? A really strong love. A really strong love. Is it better than the love than between you and your father? Yes. In what ways? It's okay. I'm asking you a tough question. But you did say something very powerful and very true. You're not too young to know about Jesus. Not too young. Okay, Aiden. That's from an 11-year-old. We're going to take it up a notch. We're going to talk to a 12-year-old now. Mm -hmm. And then we'll close it out with me, the 56-year-old. <laughs> okay, Skylar. You've probably been waiting on this moment, haven't you? Use your words. No, sir. <laughs> How does a 12-year-old love Jesus? With all his heart. And what does that mean? With everything you got. Very grown-up answers from a 12-year-old. Is that always easy? No, sir. Can you tell me just a reason why you think that it's not always easy? Because somebody out there that's 12 years old is having a difficult time in life and doesn't think that anyone loves him or her. What would you say to that person right now? Just know that there's someone out there. Who's that someone? Jesus. So they have to know that he's out there. How do they get to him? How, they, how do they get to know that he cares for them? Hmm? Because if he didn't care for them, then how would they be listening to us? How would they be listening to us? Um, help us out with that part. Like if God did not care for any of us, then why would he have given us all this, all the stuff that everybody has? And what is the greatest thing has God given us? Love. And who is love? 
What way did God express love to us? By telling the Son to die on the cross for our sins. By telling us His Son died on the cross for our sins. So He gave us His Son, Jesus? Yes, sir. Who died for us? Yes, sir. And you would tell that person out there to trust in Jesus? Yes, sir. Even though they're 12 years old? Yes, sir. Are you ever too young for that? No, sir. Will Jesus receive you even as a young one? Yes, sir. And has he received you? Yes, sir. And you received him? Yes, sir. Okay. Put you on the spot, huh? Yes, he did. <laughs> I think it all began that way. You think it was any less pressure for this mother sitting beside you when she was first? Yes, sir. <laughs> Okay. Now it's my turn, right? Yes. And everybody get to watch and hear me now. Yes. Be on the spot. Y'all got all night? <laughs> like I told you all yesterday, when I was a boy, younger than Aiden, God visited me. I didn't know him by name, and one of you all said, even if you don't know him by name, Jesus. I don't know which one of y'all said that. You still know that God, Jesus, is there. Someone greater than yourself. And I knew that. And I remember when he came to me, the most wonderful feeling came over me as a boy. And I've never forgot that, that nice blue sky that day as I was looking at that window into that vast blue yonder. And it was almost like he was smiling at me. And I tell you something not long ago that reminded me of that. I was driving down 441 back this way one day and a flock of birds as I was looking at this large flock of birds, they started they start flying in one direction and the other, then they spread apart and then they came back together. And when they came back together, it looked like a great big old smiley face. I kid you not, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. And it was almost like God had said, son, I'm smiling at you. And it reminded me of his love for me. And you had to be there to, to have experienced that with me to know what I'm talking about. But I've had many encounters with God and the Spirit. And one of the most glorious ones was when I actually seen Jesus in a vision. And at the end of that time period when we were sitting there and he was dressed in pure gold. And it was like I was talking to him, but my mouth wasn't moving. And it seemed like each time my mind would go back on earthly things, he would focus my mind back on him. And it was the most purest of moments and peace beyond description. 
And when he got, and I can't tell you what he said to me. And as he got up from the table, like we were sitting in the courtyard, and he got up to walk back into the temple of God in heaven, which was made out of pure ivory. And he got up wearing his pure gold. And I said to him, Jesus, and he turned. I said, will you tell God I love him? In fact, I think I said, will you tell Father I love him? And the most beautiful smile came on Jesus' face as he turned and he looked at me and he said, he knows. And I'll never forget that. I wasn't asleep, people. I was in prayer with the Lord out in my barn in my study. And the Holy Spirit had just done a cleansing of me. And about three and a half hours had passed. And all of a sudden, I just finished one of those communion cups, having communion with the Lord, one-on-one. -on -one. And when I did that, it's like I was, I was instantaneously in heaven. And there he was. And we were sitting together at a table, one-on-one. -on -one. I don't know why he brought me there. I don't know what the conversation was about, but I knew there was a couple of times my mind was trying to reflect back on the earth. And he would take my attention and put it back on him without saying, like, ever saying a word. Like he was speaking to my, my mind, my spirit directly. And he would not let my mind wander. You know how your mind wandered in prayer? I didn't get that. He always kept me focused on him. It was amazing. So I would say to those that are out there right now, this is not a sermon, that he's the greatest love you can ever have. And I genuinely miss our wonderful moments together. I miss them. And I want, when I'm preaching, I want his glory to so fill this place with, in our presence that you and I will forget about everything and see nothing but his beauty, his presence, and just whatever the Spirit leads us to do. That's what I want to happen. I'm waiting for that moment to happen with us when the glory of the Lord comes in and consumes us. I want that. And I know you want that. Let's come together and all of a sudden there's the glory of the Lord and everybody's looking. And we see it. And we feel his presence. And everybody here feels his presence. And not only love is pouring out to us and we're pouring it back to him, but every sickness and every disease is instantly cured and people's minds are healed. Because your mind needs to be healed sometime too. So with that, let's bow our heads and pray.
Father, we thank you so much. And maybe, Lord, we should have opened this in prayer, Lord Jesus. But, Father, we are so sorry that we allowed the cares of this world to choke our time with you out. Check out, choke that time out today. And I don't think we mean to, Lord. And that's where, Jesus, we need your help to help us to stay focused. And not because we want you to give us anything. We just want to be with you, Lord. And we love when our Father and our Lord show up in our presence. Because that's what life is all about. Being in the presence of the Lord. Father, will you forgive us? Lord Jesus, will you help us to move those things out of the way, even just temporarily, Lord, so that we can walk with you and fellowship with you and Father? So Lord God, there's nothing in life more important than you and Lord Jesus. Absolutely nothing. So I thank you for us, your sons and your daughters that are here and others around the world who have that same longing for your presence. Will you fill us with your spirit now? Fill us with the Holy Ghost. And use us, Lord, to reflect the glory of your son, Jesus, as we proclaim his name as your living witness. Watch over Israel now and protect her. And Lord, your peace to dwell in Jerusalem. And Father, bring revival to our land. We need you here in America, Lord. We need salvation. We need that point of your spirit upon us. We need your presence with us. Bless us with your presence, Lord, once again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.